The Mac Observer is a Mac Geek Gab, number 1904, February 2nd, 2009. Greetings, folks. Please turn off your cell phones and enjoy the ride. I am Dave Hamilton. That is John Braun. Hi, John. How are you? That this is. That is. Yes. <laughs> it all depends on your perspective. Yep. It's me and uh, of course Pete. Hi, Pete. How are you? Happy Groundhog Day, guys. That's right. Oh yeah. You know I want to smack that thing. <laughs> well, it's weird today. I don't know about you, Dave, but uh, here in Connecticut, it was fifty degrees. So I I think he's wrong. It's pretty warm today. I thought we're supposed to get snow tonight. Tomorrow, I thought so, so. too. But still, 50 degrees, that's uh, unusual for this time of year, I think. And it is Groundhog Day, so uh, the Mac Observer is Mac Geekab, number 190, for February 2nd, 2009. (laughs) Stop. I have to stop? All right. Uh, So So that was a classic film, if you hadn't seen it. So Groundhog Day, you know, it was funny because it was kind of silly as a kid, but then when you watch it and you get older and you get a little perspective on the meaning of life and all that, it's really a deep, deep film, I think. All right. We've you? really got to get onto the show. Oh, uh, I watch Groundhog Day. I, no, it's it, good. It's good. It's a fun okay, movie. But yeah. Moving right along. Moving right along. Uh, yeah. So we do have a lot of stuff. Uh, last week, John, we'll start with a, a couple of things related to last week's show. Number one, eight, nine. And oh, yeah. uh, and we had a zillion comments about our advice to uh, to use VGA as oh, the, uh, the I'll, way of. I'll, I'll note we got a fist shake. Well, and that's <laughs> and 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 yeah. So we got a bunch of notes, and, and we had we were, you know, of course, we have to pick which one or ones to uh, <laughs> to include into the show. And and since we tend to be a little snarky about uh, things at, at times, I figured it was only fitting. To include the snarkiest comment that uh, that we got, which would uh, still in uh, all in good fun here. Hey, this is Ryan, longtime listener, first time caller, and guys, I think I may have to shake a fist at you. VGA, really? <laughs> all right. In regards to what your caller was saying about trying to hook his MacBook up to a big screen TV, I have a MacBook. I've got a big screen TV. I've got a mini DVI out. I've got a little adapter that came from Apple. I've got a $20 DVI to HDMI cable that came from Apple. It only carries video, but all you got to do is then plug in your audio, and as you guys correctly noted, you can either do the analog out or you can do the digital if your audio equipment will support it. So really, VGA, no. Go digital. The MacBook recognizes exactly the resolution involved. Uh, it recognizes uh, the, the TV as an external monitor, gives the right resolution, and it's all a crystal clear digital signal. Uh, thanks, guys. And aside from this one, keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. So, yeah, Ryan and and everyone else who wrote and called in and sent smoke signals and all that. Absolutely right. Uh, these do exist. It's a it's a Belkin cable that Apple sells. Uh, I couldn't find one. I did some quick searching at Apple. There's the mini DVI to HDMI cable uh, at Apple site. I couldn't find a regular DVI to HDMI from Apple, but uh, perhaps there's one and I just couldn't find it. But they certainly exist elsewhere uh, if you if you hunt around. Yeah. So. And I found one and 
you know, actually that that'll come up uh, a little later, though. You know, I just want to step back a bit, Dave, and, uh, you know, especially now that, you know, some of you may have heard that there's this, you know, digital transition happening. No, you haven't. No, I've never heard. Well, of this. well not that it matters to us. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Anyways, we'll find links to it. But but I just want to distinguish the types of data here and why Ryan did shake his fist. So if you're looking at hmm, quality, what I say, let, let, let's say that maybe you toss it around a bit. But you have two phenomena, digital and analog. Analog, analog is typically a continuous phenomenon. Uh, and digital is more a discrete phenomenon, whereas analog things uh, pretty much can have an infinite value over a certain scale. Digital, they have these kind of you know discrete values. And, and just to translate that from what I said there, which may make not a lot of sense unless you're into electrical engineering or something like that. But the thing is, digital is kind of an all or nothing deal. So if you do get a nice digital, if, if you get a digital signal, it's great. It's it's probably going to be, you know, kind of a one or zero thing, kind of like digital is analog. You can get kind of a, a, you know, weak signal because there's all these different states that the signal can take, not just, you know, one or zero as, as, as digital does. So uh, I, I, the general comment is that if you had to take analog video, which is pretty much all of them, you know, starting at a low level, you know, so composite being the worst, S video being a little better component video being probably the best analog version, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. And then when you kick it up to DVI and HDMI, that's a different world. Now, no, to bring it back to this digital transition, the thing that's going to be happening, which a lot of, you know, I don't know, it seems a lot of people are freaking out over it, but I guess it really only impacts people that have antennas, which are an analog signal. If you have cable, then it's probably digital cable, though it could be analog cable. But if you're pulling off of an antenna, um, you know, into an old-style TV, that signal will change from analog to digital very shortly or they're going to stop broadcasting in analog which means unless you got a magic box that converts from the old analog to the new digital format you're not going to get any television and i guess they had a whole fiasco with coupons and people are getting them when they don't think they need to to me it's pretty clear i i think dave if, if you have an antenna into an old style tv you got to get a converter box or you're probably not going to get tv for much longer yeah, although I think even if you have analog cable coming in, don't you then also need to get this uh, converter box, depending on your cable company and all that good stuff? Um, I, I think it's only broadcast medium, which this affects. So analog cable, I mean, they're mostly moving people over already. I mean, my company just did just for nothing. So I don't think they're cutting off analog cable. I think as long as you've got cable, you're okay. I think it's just broadcast that's going to oh, okay. get affected. For some reason, I thought if you didn't have a cable, and this, see, here's where the confusion comes. So I, I'm going to back up here. Ryan, you're right. If you are going to do video yeah. from your MacBook Pro or your MacBook, do the HDMI thing. I will note, though, somebody said in the comments that there's something about the way uh, the, and I'm, I'm looking for the link that, that John sent here. There's something about the way the Mac Mini sends out uh, digital signals and many a AV receivers will not work. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So it, it's some, it's, Oh no, it's just, it's just the receivers. So for audio. Uh, so check the comments. Uh, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes uh, at the Apple store, but, but definitely, you know, the, the HDMI thing is the way to go because you're going to get better, it, whether it's better quality or not, uh, it probably is, but but really, what you've got is more of a one to one relationship between what your Mac is sending out 
and what's being displayed on the screen. And so you have much more control over what's going to happen. And and I've experienced this, too. Sometimes with VGA, I can't get the aspect ratios to line up and the screen's all mm. funky and all that. Whereas if I had done uh, HDMI, presumably it would just see exactly the re- resolution of the TV and, and we'd be all set. So that's the HDMI thing. We're going to come back to this. But now uh, talking about this this digital TV transition, uh, I think February 17th is the date. Pete was just saying or he, was going to be. I think they did. Yeah, they pushed it ahead. Did they? Because if, if they haven't yet, it's in the it's in the big stimulus bill that they're trying. to OK, because because it's supposed to be February 17th, oh, which is 15 days yeah. away. And DTV.gov still reports it as February 17th. So uh, so maybe they're pushing it off to June. Maybe not. But uh, but, yeah, there's a big countdown that says 15 days, two hours, 15 sec- 15 minutes and uh, 36 seconds. Well, you know, I think it does impact analog cable as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, as far as I know, yeah. uh, you know, when my cable company offered to switch me over for nothing, I'm like, uh, OK, sounds good. Yeah. So I don't think there should be any reason unless you got a real, you know, backwoods, uh, you know, cable company um, that you're not already on digital. I'd be curious what, what people are running into. I mean, you know, yeah. I got a cable card, so I, and, and you do too, I think on your TiVo. So on TV, we're all set. We're not yeah. going to notice anything. Yeah. We've got a TV up in the bedroom. Um, <laughs> that's connected directly. And I don't know if that's going to work or not, but, but then we have one TV in the kitchen that has no cable box and that's definitely going to be, going to be impacted by this. So, all right. So yeah, if you got the old rabbit ears, then it's, it's time to turn them in or, or get the converter box adapter. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to J.D. here. Let me find his comment, because J- J.D. has a, a couple of comments about our, our previous show. He does get into this uh, DVI to, to HDMI thing in the middle, but uh, also talking about uh, we had a listener who had an issue where when they were connected uh, one way, they could see uh, other machines on the network. When they were connected wirelessly, they could see other machines. When they were connected wired, they could not. And he's got another spin on that, that that's sort of interesting, John. And this is uh, J.D. Hey, John and Dave. Uh, J.D. down here in Texas, just outside Dallas. Hey, on your uh, show 189, um, J.R. was asking about an issue between his uh, desktop and laptop. And I'm guessing that the WRT Linksys router might have API isolation enabled, and that would prevent uh, communications, I'm pretty sure, between um, the Wi-Fi components and the wired components. So he might want to turn that off and try again. The second thing was uh, Michael in New York was asking about uh, playing his Mac on his Plasma, and I have a Plasma uh, 42-inch Panasonic that did not come with a video um, input, from uh, for VGA, and I did obtain from the Apple Store. Um, I think it was from Belkin. It's uh, uh, DVI to HDMI and that worked perfectly. I also run uh, the digital audio cable straight down from the Mac Mini to a uh, receiver and uh, enable. Uh, it actually does uh, full uh, surround sound, so you get uh, Dolby Digital you know, 5.1 out of the Mac Mini. Hey, I had a quick question also. Yeah. Lately, it seems like uh, the uh, podcasts are coming down as a video file rather than an audio file. Mm-hmm. wasn't sure if that was something new. Um, trying to put my iPod Touch to sleep when I listen into the podcast, and, of course, it shuts down because it thinks it's video. So just a heads up. Other than that, uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, guys. 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, the first thing is AP isolation, I believe, is the the switch in the AP. I would say that's probably access point. Yep. And and it, it can isolate different network segments from from the other, if, if I understand it correctly, which seems to be the same understanding that JD has. So if you have that enabled, it might not let things on the airport network talk to things on the Ethernet network and vice versa. So, yeah, why would you want I guess there could be good reasons sure, to do that. Sure, security, what have you. But yeah, as far as, far as this podcast being downloaded to video thing. It, it, we are aware of it. What happens is if you are on your iPod touch or your iPhone and are downloading the Mac geek gab directly to it, there's a bug and, and the bug exists and and we've been in touch with Apple on this and Cashfly. Uh, the bug appears to exist in the Apple firmware where somehow it gets some header from Cashfly that any AAC file downloaded directly to the iPhone or iPod touch from Cashfly, the iPhone itself decides this is a video file. Now, if you download the, the file to your computer and then sync it across to your iPhone, it doesn't happen. It's only if it's going direct down, only if it's an AAC file and only if it's coming from Cashfly. So it, and it, Apple is aware. They say they're going to fix it. It was not part of the 2.2.1 update. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, when they're going to fix this. The folks at Cashfly are sort of at a loss because they don't serve the data any differently than they do anything else. They send the right MIME type headers and all that good stuff. So but they are working on it. And there's there's been a conversation going back and forth trying to figure this out. So so that's where we're at. Uh, all right. Uh, our our first sponsor for this show is. Uh, are we re- we're ready to go into this, John? Or was there something yes. you wanted to add? Okay. Nope. Our our first sponsor for this show is Smile on My Mac, and they've got a couple things going on. They they've been doing this Mac Switcher Bundle at macswitcherbundle.com, dot com, and it has four apps in it. Uh, I'm going to talk more about one than actually. It's got three apps and then one thing. It's got a bunch of screencasts from uh, Don McAllister's Screencasts Online. Then it's got one password, which you've heard us talk about. Cool little app. Couldn't live without it. Which, which adds window-like window switching to the Mac. Uh, and we'll, I'll, I'll leave that for you to, uh, to check out more because I haven't checked it out. Uh, and then there's Text Expander, which is easy to talk about because I couldn't possibly live, live without it. It's one of those things I install it and I forget it's there until it's not there. The idea behind Text Expander is you have things that you need to type over and over again. Maybe it's the way you sign off your emails. Maybe it's your address. Maybe you've got, uh, you know, some code snippets that you use and you assign these to much shorter characters. So, uh, for example, if I have my email signature and instead of typing out my whole email signature, I type comma SIG and then boom, it'll replace that comma SIG with a uh, you know my entire signature whatever i want it to be you can create all kinds of different snippets you can make them application specific so that they happen in one app versus another yeah pete's pete's pointing out a whole bunch of things different urls that you're going to use uh spelling fixes if you've got you know things that you mistype often like like for example if you type the teh a lot well you could just go put teh into text expander and have it automatically change that to the and boom you're typing and you're you're good to go so uh i i use it constantly 
Uh, it, it, it's a great little app. It's 30 bucks. Of course, you can download a free trial, but you can get it as part of this bundle for 50. And then you get, uh, you know, one password, which and, and these 10 different screencasts. So uh, check out MacSwitcherBundle.com. It's from the folks at uh, Smile on My Mac. They put this together. And of course, they are uh, they, they are people we've known for a long time and, and they're they're trustworthy and all that good stuff. So I I, I am happy to uh, to be able to talk to you about them all at smileonmymac.com and then of course macswitcherbundle.com moving on to ken right john oh yeah lots of audio comments tonight i like this this is good it doesn't burn up my throat hi john and dave this is ken marcus from kailua literally kailua beach hawaii uh calling at four o'clock in the morning while listening to uh mac gab 189 listening to uh, the story of the fellow who was trying to share file share from a Windows machine to a Mac machine. This is a little roundabout, but uh, something that ought to work and work very well, because it's sure working well for me, uh, is uh, something you turned me on to in the first place, which is uh, Dropbox, uh, up to two gigabytes in files free, and uh, pretty inexpensive for 50 gigabytes, uh, but you can say two gigabytes for free, install it on both machines, uh, drop the... Uh, uh, files you want into uh, whichever site you're trying to transfer from, and uh, pretty much by the time you get back to the other machine, they should be there. You can drag it out of the folder on the Mac side, and shazam, you're there. Anyway, uh, great show. Thanks a lot. Hold on. Well, there you have it. Uh, it. That's an interesting solution, John, right? Because the Dropbox would do that. The only thing is, you if the files are big, You've got to wait for one machine to upload it to the Dropbox cloud. And then, of course, the other machine to pull it back down from the cloud to, you know, it's not a peer to peer thing with the Dropbox. It it syncs everything to a, a server that's, you know, kind of out in the in the ether there. So that would be the uh, that's the only drawback to doing it that way. But, you know, it would work. And uh, and sure, perhaps that's more important than uh, than the bandwidth. Uh yeah. Now, now, another thing you could do, um, it's easier on the Mac side, but if you want to share files between a Mac and a PC, of course, you could also use MobileMe. And they have a very nice utility. So, so on the Mac, it's pretty straightforward is that your, you know, iDisk will be or should be in the, uh, you know, the bar on the left uh, in the finder. On Windows, it may be a little more challenging to try to mount that drive, but they have something that we will link to. Um, called iDisk Utility for Windows XP. And what that will do is let you enter the login information, which should be provided by the owner of the account, if you're not the owner. Um, you know, you can set up your, your permissions uh, like you want. I think either, you know, read-only or a read-write volume. But it mounts it as a Windows volume, so it makes it appear as any other volume on a Windows machine. So that's, that's another way to go about it. Um, you know, similar to Dropbox. Well, no, not really. <laughs> well, well, no, it's server based. I mean, it is it, all yeah. on a virtual disk in the cloud. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, it it is. Um, it, the Dropbox does things a little bit differently, and and this is a good mm. opportunity to talk about this. iDisk, um, you can do one of two things: you can only store the data in the cloud, where it does not right. keep a local copy um, of of the data. That. It, the, the, that can be kind of a weird thing. It can make navigating through your your directory trees really, really slowly, uh, slow rather. But uh, okay, you went away for a bit. Sorry, that's okay. That the um, but the with Dropbox, what you do is it's actually just syncing a folder on your Mac, and 
the, and so the files are there normally. There, it's no problem. Whereas with the iDisk, if you keep a local copy, it stores it all inside a bundle, a, a, you know, a sparse bundle. So it gets a little bit funky ah, with backing that okay. data up. You know, we talked about how it well, backs it up in okay. slices and all that. But but the Dropbox, I'm... the Dropbox is syncing an entire folder. So it's right. just normal files on your Mac or, or on your Windows machine. So, you know, the, to be frank, Dropbox has beaten Apple at the iDisk game. Apple has a lot of catch up to do, you know. Right now, Dropbox lets you do things like I can send out a link to only one file in my iDisk yes. or yeah. my Dropbox, where which is where the iDisk is supposed to have that functionality, uh-huh. but it doesn't yet. Okay. So, you know. All right. But hold on, Frank. Okay. Yeah. You got the steamroller going. Go. <laughs> no, but um, what I will say is at least on the, on the Apple side, now I don't know about the PC side, but you can turn on iDisk sync. If you right. if you would have listened, that's what I was talking about. Well, no, I, I said you. I'm, I'm sorry, you dropped out for a moment. That's why I said sorry. So, okay. so that's what you were talking about. Yeah, if it, it sinks okay. back down to a disk image, and yeah, and that's I didn't hear you say di- that. Okay, yeah, that's the difference. Technical so. difficulties. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. But I don't know if there's a way to do iDisk sync on the PC side. So. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Does I mean, that iDisk? Well, you know, I mean, no, they do install, you know, I don't have a Windows machine in front of me, but Windows does install much to the fist shaking of some Windows people. Uh, it kind of gloms a mobile me control panel into the other control panels, and a lot of people aren't too crazy about that. Like when you install QuickTime, I think, or, right. or iTunes, it'll it'll sneak in a mobile me control panel on the Windows side. I'll have to look and see if they also have iDisk Sync on the Windows side. If they do... It's a viable solution, but as, as you point out there, you know, it, it does do it differently from uh, Dropbox. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I still use iDisk for all my uh, my stuff because the data that I store on my iDisk is more than the two gigs I get for free with Dropbox. But uh, mm. but I'm real close to paying for the 50 gigs with uh, Dropbox and just saying goodbye to the iDisk. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I'm looking here now. I think the normal account I'm looking here now and I have 20 gigabytes. And then let me see, they have a handy, uh, you know, throw us some money and uh, update your storage button there. Now, the iDisk is 20 gigs. Oh, it's a 20 now. Uh, yeah, yes. the iDisk that, is That's what 20. I see right now yeah. on my status bar. Yeah. But you can purchase more if you want to, if you want. Yeah, well, the idea, I, I only use about four gigs, but, which is why I'm still on the iDisk and not on Dropbox. But, uh, yep. yeah. All right. I, I've got a question uh, that's totally targeted at you here from Jed, John. Jed says, hey, guys, hope you're doing well. Just curious if you've played with the iFi and iPhotos geotagging yet. I'm thinking of getting the Explorer card and curious how it's worked for you. John, I know you use one, so go. Absolutely. So here we go. Here's what's happening. Um, so we were unsure of this. And actually, you know, we, we uh, you know, I, I tweeted about this. I went to someone at, at the, you know, iFi. Hey, does your stuff is iPhoto and I going to work with your uh, your card now? Of course, because it wasn't released. I mean, they may have had a early version or a you know beta version, or it sounded like they didn't. I mean, I don't I don't know how Apple works with their app programs, you know, as far as developers. Um, but they didn't know. But I didn't see any reason why it wouldn't work because what the iFight does, and here's the only caveat, um, you know, people who use the iFight will know this, is that. You have the card. It uses Skyhook data, which Skyhook embeds or Skyhook maps Wi-Fi and cellular access points to a latitude and longitude. The only thing is that you have to run the pictures through what they call the iFi manager. If you just plug the card into your computer, you will not have the geotags. 
you have to run it through their iFi utility, which then injects the pictures, will upload them to a number, I think it's like 20 different sites, you know, Flickr and, and all these guys, or right into iPhoto. If you go about it that way, and I confirm this, you know, as soon as I got my disk in the mail, I excitedly installed it, and, um, you know, it actually, iPhoto came up and said, hey, you want me to update the uh, location data on your photos? I'm like, oh, cool. Or do you want me to activate places, which will parse all the, the data? Of course, it also ran faces, which on my system, it took like two hours, but uh, and we could talk about that another time. I have mixed feelings about it. But anyways, after that, all the features that we saw in the keynote were there. It would identify certain photos, um, like in New York City, it would actually say, oh, Grand Central Station, which in fact, they were taking a Grand Central Station. Or, cool. um so as far as I can tell with my card, which is the iFi Explore, they have a couple of different ones. It's perfectly compatible. Now, the, the interesting thing, though, is in iPhoto, you may be wondering, you know, where is that data and what does it look like? Um, and, and the thing is, in the old iPhoto 08, if you highlighted a picture and said get info, it would show you what I think we call the EXIF data, which is extended picture data. Um, in the new iPhoto, it doesn't do that. When you say get info, it'll show you, maybe only if it has a geotag, it'll show you the photo, it'll tell you where it's been taken and show you a little, I think it's a Google map or a Yahoo map of approximately where that is. What you have to do now to get this additional data is instead type command option I within iPhoto online, and then it will give you all of the additional tag data, the data outside of uh, the image data itself, and it's broken down into a number of categories. Like, for example, when I look, I had five categories. Image, which is, you know, pretty much the dimensions. File info, which is info about the file, the size, and all that. Location, which, and here's the key, that's where the latitude and longitude data is, which, and, and I could imagine that, yes, someone could think of different ways to represent latitude and longitude and confuse other utilities, but that's something I, I just figured nobody could screw up, and as far as I can see, nobody has screwed that up. And then the other EXIF data is also the camera. So, you know, information about the model of the camera, maybe the firmware. And then the key thing, which for a lot of photographers may be useful, is they usually embed a whole bunch of stuff like the exposure, the shutter speed, all sorts of other parameters about the photo, especially if you're in the manual mode, which can help you understand why the photo that you just took looks great or doesn't. So um, basically the answer is yes. I think iFi timed this perfectly. In that, uh, you know, there's still, most cameras do not geocode. So these guys have a really nice solution. The only drawback thing is sometimes it doesn't get it right because it's not a GPS. It's using Wi-Fi. And I've seen this. The problem is Wi-Fi access points sometimes move around. Right. Um, but you, you can always edit that data. Oh, but, that's you know, true. So, yeah. Yeah, from what I've seen, you can, uh, I haven't done it, but my understanding is that you can edit the data within, uh, you're not stuck with that data in the, uh, you know, in the picture. Yeah. I wonder how did. you edit it. Um, is it something you can edit within iPhoto? Uh, hold on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now we need, uh, we, we don't have the, uh, the Time Jeopardy the music. music. Yeah, that's right. Queued up. That's right. Um, Actually we do. We've got some, we've got some music. Oh, we don't know. <laughs> I think it may be through one of the interfaces. Uh, uh, bringing up the extended data. I cannot edit the data from there. I'm sure you could do it through places. If you bring up the photo, I, I haven't tried it, so I'll, I'll give it a whirl and maybe there's an article on that somewhere. Yeah. Um, but seeing as how you can tag photos without any image data, I would imagine the ones that are already tagged, you can retag because they did show that uh, or they demonstrated that the keynote that what if you didn't have a GPS? Right. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. I just don't remember exactly where you do that. So. OK. OK. Yeah. It does make sense that you would edit that. that yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. 
Uh, okay. It's time to talk about, uh, to talk about iPhones, right? Aren't we going to, are we going to, we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk about, uh, well, let's, you know, before we get into this rant here, because this is just going to go off on a, is it? Who knows where it's going to go? I I, want to tell everybody about Circus Ponies, our second sponsor here and Circus Ponies notebook. Now, you know, this app is built to collect all sorts of data that's somewhat related, not necessarily related, uh, and pull it all together into different electronic notebooks uh, to store all these different things. Now, you can create notebooks for maybe one for home, one for work, or maybe one for each different project you're doing at work, or if you're a student for each different class, you know, all different, you know, if you've got ideas or uh, instructions, stuff that you would typically maybe scribble on a piece of paper that's all related to something, you just pull it all together, notes, clippings, all the different to-dos. And then once you've got them into Notebook, you can use what they call their multi-dex, which is a search engine that lets you search for information based on what it is you remember about that data. So if you remember maybe a name or a number or the date that you entered the, the data in, you can search that way. And then once you pull this data together, you can you can create in one notebook. You can have maybe a PDF inside it and a drawing that you did and you can uh, OCR some, uh, you know, some some data in or, or whatever and then pull it all in and then you can print a PDF uh, or you can publish your notebook to the web and you can actually export directly to your mobile me account. So it really flexible sort of for organizing all different related, but not related pieces of information. Uh, there's a 30, 30 day, t- uh, free test drive at circusponies.com, And then of course, uh, you purchase it for forty nine ninety five us. And there's some discounts. If you want to buy, I think three copies might be, I think it's a hundred bucks and, and there's a student discount uh, as well. Uh, Pete, I know you and uh, you and your son both uh, both use Notebook and and enjoy it. So it is, yeah. It's a nice it's a nice program. Really nice Mac interface. Well thought out. They they've put a lot of thought and effort into it. There's no doubt. Well, you we enjoy it. We had we had one uh, one listener write in that they had won a copy of of Notebook, and they said uh, I use it for clipping recipes while I'm surfing the web, grabbing grabbing bits of information that I would otherwise put on a sticky, organizing my projects, saving miscellaneous bits of family information. So for folks that think it's just for busy, busy executives, it's not. It's useful for anybody, and I highly recommend it. And uh, so thanks, Kevin, for, for writing that in. And again, it's CircusPonies.com notebook. Okay, i got a flash update here. All right. Oh, good. Excellent, John. Yeah, go. <laughs> so basically, get info on the picture in iPhoto 09. If you get info and there is a town or city listed, if you click on it, it will then give you a pull down. Uh, like in my case, it's finding... Um, a bunch of other towns in different states right. or I'm sure if I typed in something new and I did verify. So once I type typed in a different town, it retagged the photo. And then I verified if you open up the extended info, it did put in a new latitude and longitude. So Excellent. iPhoto does let you uh, edit some of that EXIF data. Um, Pete did have a question here about the general purpose utility for that, which is a fabulous question that we'll have to address in the future. <laughs> Cool. I think so. I'm sure somebody makes one that lets you edit those fields because it's pretty much only only text or just additional data, you know, glommed on the end of the uh, the photo. Right. Right. All right. So Mark has a question. And, and 
Well, let's see where it goes. Are you, are you getting ready? Hey, to uh, John and Dave. Uh, yeah. This is Mark from Los Angeles. Um, long-time listener. Love the podcast. Um, really, um, makes a big difference in my household as far as tweaking things and uh, just trying to fix things. However, I'm stumped. Um, let's see. Um, I am trying. I have two computers, a MacBook and then a G5, and um, I'm taking my iPhone um, up through the cloud with my MacBook. And um, I'm trying to set it up on the desktop to uh, so that everything just, you know, syncs up with the cloud and I have my calendars and now just book info on all computers and iPhone. However, for some reason, it's not working on my desktop. Every, well, everything else works except for the calendar. Um, it says that um, calendars could not be synced due to inconsistent data. Um, I've gone into the advanced settings and I've... Um, reset all the, um, the the sync data there um, and um, I've um, actually even gone into my account and opened up like a fresh new account where there's nothing in there and set it up to sync with my mobile me account and nothing's and that for some reason it, it just will not sync the calendars however my wife has an account on this computer and she's able to sync um, her calendar info with her mobile me on this computer as well as her iPhone. So I don't know is that I don't know if maybe that is a problem that I'm only allowed to have one mobile me sync account per computer. But I um, was wondering maybe if you guys could figure it out because I'm stumped. Um, this is where you cut me off. And it is it is where we cut, cut off. off. Well, Dave, to me, the, the, the answer to this is very straightforward. And I, I went to the Apple um, knowledge base <laughs> and I found an article titled Mobile Me, colon, Troubleshooting Inconsistency Alerts When Syncing Data. And it says symptoms with Mobile Me Sync, you may encounter two alerts about inconsistent sync data. The exact text of the alerts will vary depending on what type of data is affected. But in general, the message states and it goes on and then it describes some what I can see here, pretty straightforward you know, maybe four different steps that you take and, and everything's golden. So I think we should just, you know, recommend. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to look over what this article recommends. Yeah, uh, did I you? did. It it tells you. OK, so. So are we done? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go. Yeah. Fist going. You know, dude. So it tells you, OK, you know, pick the computer that has the most up to date information and tell it to overwrite mobile me and then. Uh, you know, oh, no problem. And then it'll sink back down. And oh, if it doesn't, then go and, and you know, reset all your computers. And then, uh, you know, no problem. It's definitely going to work. And it walks you through this step that, you know, does this, runs this, uh, what is it, reset.pl, uh, the reset sync.pl, this little profile that, that goes and, and runs all the right scripts. And, you know, that it, it all looks so good on paper, man. It does, mm-hmm. doesn't it? I mean, it, it looked good to you, didn't it? It sucks. Yeah. Okay. It sucks. <laughs> it doesn't work. It, it's terrible. Oh, O'Reilly, the, calm down. The, <laughs> the, the only way to get this to work is, is one of two ways. And the first one might not work. Uh, so you can go and, uh, you know, do what they say and unregister all your machines for mobile me and then go sync. But, in my experience, that has not solved exactly this problem. The only way that I've got it to solve this problem is to go into iCal and 
on the computer that's that that you think is your master, right? So the one that has the data that you want to blow away mobile me with, you go in and you choose backup data and then you go and get the backup and you copy it to another one of your Macs and you blow away mobile me and you restore everything from that backup and then you overwrite mobile me from that computer. Uh, there's something in the whole sync database that once it gets screwed up on one machine, you can't have that machine overwrite mobile me anymore. It just doesn't work. Uh, so you've got to, you know, overwrite it from another computer and then you're, uh, and then you're, you're, you're good to go. So, uh, so yeah, so the idea is whatever computer is the one that you've been telling mobile me to reset from, you know, you go into, uh, the, the system preferences, you go to mobile me, and you say advanced and you say reset sync data and you say overwrite data on mobile me with data from this computer. Whatever one you've been doing that with, that's the one that you back up from, copy the data to another computer, restore, and then overwrite mobile me from that other computer. That's the uh, that that's the way that I've had success with it. it. It's a convoluted, screwed up procedure. But, you know, really what needs to happen, we talk about nuke and pave all the time and. And I think nuke and pave is the solution here, but but uh, it's a different kind of nuke and pave. We need Apple to nuke and pave mobile me. That thing is the most convoluted, screwed up system in the entire world. Uh, really? You know, our government has better stuff than 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 mobile well, me here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. No okay, doubt. I've, I've never seen it have problems, but I have had problems with Palm or, or a lot of, you know, technologies that try to sync events or just any sort of data they uh, i don't know I, I i should explore what the difficulties are because i see these things that happen as a, as a developer i'm like how could you possibly do this like I've, I've had multiple times on my palm events and actually i got a special utility to clear them out but i would have events with the same name the same time the same date and it will duplicate them oh yeah at infinitum it'll it'll make five six seven co- it's like can somebody check and say, oh, you know, there's already one of these. Maybe I shouldn't put five more here. Yep. I don't get it. I, uh, it again, when, you, when you're getting different data from different places and especially trying to do simultaneous things like that, I can understand how things could get mucked up. But there should be a way to go through and kind well, of so, clear it out. So that's, and, that's you know, the, the big thing. Red, we need the big red button, what you're saying, for, for mobile fee. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing. The red button should exist you know they talk about you okay you open the iSync app and you go to the preferences and you click reset there or if that doesn't work then you go and you run this Perl script that's buried in mm-hmm. the bowels of your system and that'll do it you know or uh, maybe there's these other folders you can delete but so what what's happening is there's actually two levels of syncing happening right there's the syncing from your Mac to your to mobile me and that seems pretty straightforward I have data on my Mac I sync it with this database in the cloud. Some other computer comes in, checks in with the database and syncs down. That's true, but it's not iCal syncing with the mobile me in the cloud. iCal syncs with the sync services engine on your Mac. And then other things can sync with that too. Uh, you know, if you're running a, like an app like BusySync, that registers as a client there. It, it, you know, if you've got other things that are syncing to your Mac, like your Palm or whatever, that registers with a client there. And so th- there's this convolution that happens. Is that a word? 
It is now. Uh, it happens on your Mac with before it ever even thinks about syncing with with the MobileMe cloud. So that's the issue here: is you get this massive knot tying happening right on your Mac, and it can get to the point where your Mac's so confused it doesn't matter what you sync out to MobileMe; it's never going to be right. And and that's what typically that's what goes on. And you need to blow away what happens on your Mac. And, and in this case, the way to do it is get the data somewhere else, blow away mobile me. And then when mobile me comes down to your Mac, it says, ah, yeah, sure. I'll blow that stuff away now. No problem. You know, that's, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. I, uh, this morning right. I went round and round, uh, syncing my calendars. I have a couple calendars that I subscribe to and it was, uh-huh. I have three computers that sync to, to mobile me for the calendar. And, as each one would sync, it would blow away the changes that the last one did and, and then add its own. And it, I had to go round and round probably 15 times until finally all the sync engines got in sync with each other. And then I was able to, you know, re-add these subscribed calendars, which, of course, still don't show up on yep. the iPhone. But, you know, that's. Yeah, I actually had one time where I was yeah. really freaking out because it got really confused and fortunately, I had one machine that had local data that was that was the truth. And the thing was, it blasted the data on my palm away. When the sync was done, I'm like, okay, let me see how, how everything's doing. And the data on my palm was empty because, of course, I think what it did was took a fresh database on the computer and blew away the database on the palm. Now, uh, again, fortunately, I had the data on multiple computers. So the local copy, I was able to push that to the cloud and everything was okay. But that's kind of worrying when that happens. So anyway. It's it's just like, you know, I mean, I find mobile me is, is, is just a... A, a really kind of a pleasant yeah. part of the day, similar to when you wake up first thing in the morning and, and you voluntarily swing back and kick your toe into the, uh, into the, the, the bed frame there, you know, that, that metal edge of the bed frame. And if you do that first thing in the morning, really mobile meat yeah. seems like a dream or, or, you know, I mean, I had, I, I think I told you this, you know, I thought I was having a nightmare about somebody running a jackhammer across the street. Uh huh. It was real because they're demolishing a building and actually okay. it's, it's gone across the street from me. Yeah. But there was a guy running a jackhammer at like seven in the morning. Yeah, that's a nice time. Are you kidding me? Yeah. See, compared yeah. to that, mobile me is, is just a really <laughs> kind of a pleasant. Uh, it's just it's wonderful. All right. What it is. Uh, where are we going? Right. Scott. Yeah, let's do Scott. Let's do this. Let's get there. Ready? Scott. Do this thing. Hello, this is Scott Junggren from beautiful Seattle, Washington. Longtime listener, frequent panic attack caller. <laughs> I've got an issue where I just got the Mac pack that's got all the uh, the OS and iWork and iLife. What I really want to do is is just totally do a, I think, do a clean install of my operating system and just move over very few of the programs that I've had because over the years I've added so many things, taken so many things off, and I have an iMac, maybe you've heard of it, um, and it, it seems to run slow. So I really want to take advantage of this um, having the 10.5.6 latest software just do a clean install. And I'm wondering if that's the way to go and just bring over an application at a time, or if you know a program or if the migration assistant maybe has it where you can actually select the programs that you want to transfer over and leaves everything else. Um, I made a super duper copy on an external firewire drive. So I have all of it backed up, but again, just want to clean out all the, I think you call it. Proof. So let me know if that's the best way to do it. Um, Usually I do an archive and install, but like I say, I end up with all the leftover junk and a bunch of programs that I don't really need. I'd rather just kind of add them as I need them type of thing, if that makes any sense. So this is the point where you will cut me off. And oh, we have yeah. cut you off. Oh, yeah. 
so there, you know, me to me, this brings up that there's a, a basic question here. Do you, do you want the best way or the easy way? <laughs> well, it sounds like he's tried the easy way and it hasn't left him with the easiest to deal with solution. And that was bad English for a good concept. Huh? huh? Yeah. Yeah. But you're right, because I, I almost always uh, I would recommend that. I mean, in theory, you could have taken a system that was on 10.0 and do updates and updates and updates and updates. But uh, I don't know. I would say a rule of thumb is maybe if you're, you know, well, I don't know if, if you're a point level behind, like if you're on 10.4 and you want to upgrade to 10.5, then maybe the migration assistant is OK. But if if you've, you've got something that's, you know, a, a couple of major revs back and, and the cruft is really building up, then you may just want to. The thing is more labor intensive, though, because, you know, definitely uh, this is always good advice. Keep track of your apps, especially keep track of keys and stuff like that and the original media. And I think that's the thing that trips up a lot of people is, oh, man, where did I put my disk for whatever? Now, you know, more stuff is a software download and less people are putting this stupid DRM on stuff or license keys or whatever. Um, so but, but to me, that's the big thing is that it just takes a lot of time to, to reinstall everything. And this, you know, it's pretty much how you have to do it on Windows, or at least that's been my experience. There really isn't a nice way to migrate the, the old apps and, and app data over. Well, on Windows, you wouldn't want to either. I mean, you've got to clean out more often on that side than you do on the Mac anyway. But but yeah, I think, you know, for Scott here, certainly the migration assistant, it'll pull over your apps, but it's going to pull over everything and not necessarily what you want. You know, I I think, as John said, and, and, and this is what I did a year ago when I got my new MacBook Pro, I had migrated not only from OS to OS, but from machine to machine. And, you know, my my profile and all that stuff, it just sort of come with me um, from, I think, at least 10.3 and and potentially even, you know, one one step back from that. So uh, I I did the clean install and I just started installing apps from their their disks or or as you said, John, you know, from downloads and uh, and. It really wasn't all that bad. You know, the the trick is if you've got your data in one spot that makes it easy to bounce your data around. Right. That that's that's the biggest key. And then and then, like you said, you know, you got to have your uh, your installed disks and your serial numbers. But, yeah, you know, I I installed apps as I needed them. You know, what did I I heard uh, Andy Anako, the the way he described it was he said it was like, you know, Survivor, but in reverse, the apps had to be voted onto the machine, Uh you know, and but it's true. You know, it's like, do I I have a bunch of crap on my Mac? Do I need all of it? Well, let me see if I need it. Let me live for a week. And, you know, I did it, I I think, just before I went to South by Southwest. Right. I got the machine like three days before. And I installed the stuff I needed, but that was it. You know, uh, and no problem. You know, another thing, I don't know if it's a, no, it's not a ramp. It's, it's a suggestion is, you know, don't be a mess, man. Don't be a slob. You know, keep stuff. I mean, I see so many machines. The, the, the thing is, uh, a lot of OSs, Windows and, and Mac and others, they, they kind of lay things out the way they do for a reason. So, of course, you know, on the on the Mac, you have different places now in the sidebar. You have applications, movies, music, documents pictures downloads stuff like that put stuff away don't litter your desktop full you know and i i do this sometimes too i i admit i'm guilty but i've seen some machines where 
the desktop is literally being used as the file system, as the place to store everything. And, and it's scary sometimes that I see people that can work like that because it, it's just an explosion of files on the desktop. I mean, it's kind of interesting looking, but, you know, try to use the folders for their intended purpose. And, and it'll make, you know, you'll have much less headaches when you migrate over because you'll know all your documents are in your documents, all your pictures are in your pictures, all your movies are in your movie and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, Pete has a, a good piece of advice that, that I actually do. And that is anytime you get a new app, take your serial number and store it somewhere. I, I use Yojimbo to do it. Um, and you know, it's got a great little interface for storing serial numbers. And then that way you can copy and paste them right back. Usually you can copy them and then paste them right into the dialogue where you're installing the app. Mm -hmm. It, you know, and it, it makes a huge difference uh, when doing something yep. like this, because I know I've got every serial number for every app that's important to me for the last three years, all on my computer, 100 percent of the time. Yep. And I use the, um, you know, uh, cheapskate version, which is stickies. There you go. Yeah. Stickies, you know, as long as you back up all that data. So you have, right. you know, I got one sticky, which has, uh, you know, information about uh you know, well, different types of information, but but I maintain them on a regular basis, and they're saved on a regular basis. So, um, yep. That again, it's it's quick and easy, and it's built into the OS. So, there you, you know, go. Yeah, it a shot. Yeah, that's true. And you know, Yojimbo <laughs> syncs with with Mobile Me, but of course, it doesn't work. Um, so I, I've I've reverted now to syncing Yojimbo with with the Dropbox, and it, it's actually great. Mm -hmm. I store all my data there. The only trick is I can't have Yojimbo open on more than one computer at a time, but but. Uh, but it works. So do you have a, uh, Pete, you said you, you want to oh, stump the geek man. question? Oh, I do. Yeah. Okay, John go. tried to shut me down, too. All right. Well, yeah, that's all right. No, but it came up, it kind of came up out of that discussion a few shows back over the, uh, the power line bridge yeah. and all that. And it just hit me the other day, and I haven't tried it yet, and I'm wondering what you think of this. If I were to take one of my airport expresses, plug it in, and plug my Slingbox Cat5 cable into that, would that work? Or is that Cat5 only one way? Is that supposed to be an inbound? Okay, mm -hmm. so you want to use the Airport Express as... Essentially an air bridge. As a bridge, right. You want to use... It, you, you want the wireless link to be the, the bridged link, if you will. For the slingbox. For the slingbox, and then you want to share it down. I, I don't think that it will do it, but there is the Linksys... What is it? They, they call it the Wet 11. Um, oh, okay. Uh, John, do you know, and there's a Wet 54 for the 54G. Okay. Uh, John, do you know if the if the Airport Express can be put into that mode? I don't know enough about the Slingbox. No, okay, so think of it this way. Any network device. I, I, I want to, I have a wireless network, but I have a device that won't go wireless that needs to plug in Ethernet. So I need a, a way to bridge from wireless back to ethernet will the will the airport express do that will it will it will it do wds or whatever and and yet share that out with its lone ethernet port so you want to share a device that's plugged in via the ethernet port is that what you're saying well i've got i've got a router somewhere else in the house it's broadcasting wireless right i want that wireless signal to reach out to a device that does not connect via a wireless device. So I need to now bridge wireless to Ethernet somewhere else. And I don't know 
if the airport mm. express will do it. I, but I do know. I would. I mean, yeah, it has a bridge mode, so. Yeah, that's true. I'm guessing it probably would work. Is that anything that's, you know, plugged in? Right but it has a bridge mode, but can you connect the wireless to an existing network and bridge it that way? That that's really the question. Can All right, you... somebody needs to send me a sling box, and then I'll try it out. Oh, there you go. Well, you could try. You could do <laughs> you it with go, your. That's what I was trying to shut you down. But no, 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 no. Sorry. You could do it with your MacBook. No, nope, right? No, nope, nope, you're gonna connect your MacBook wire via nope, Ethernet no, I can't, to the thing. I can't. No. All right. Well, t- no. the definite Pete, solution Pete. <laughs> is the the I Linksys. Sorry. The no, it's the Linksys. It, it's called the WET fifty four G, and it's a wireless Ethernet bridge. It's eighty bucks. Um. It connects. It does exactly what we're talking about yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Because I was just in a. In a no, I know you're saying. Yeah, I, I can. Is that uh, you can't you can't run more than one power line bridge? It starts colliding your data and all that. No. Yeah. And one other thing I heard, and I I I didn't. I actually deferred it from this show because I want to talk to the the power line folks about this or the Netgear folks about it. Is from what I understand, we had a couple of listeners write and call in that said. Power line only works if it's on the same circuit that it won't segment. Hop. I've, I've heard of this. Yes, it works much better on the same circuit. And and okay. because I know for a fact that I had mine on separate circuits. OK, but because I did a lot of that wiring in, in my main circuit breaker box when I when I finished my basement for that home theater. OK, so it was on a separate circuit. When I moved it to the same circuit, it worked 100 times better. It okay. still worked. Now, now you're talking circuit. Do you mean like the same fuse? Uh, well, same, uh, yeah. yeah exactly. So like I have same, living uh, room, switch. you know, wall outlets, which are all run, right. I guess, in series, right? Or parallel series, whatever. Maybe in series, right? Yeah. Well, parallel. 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 Yeah. yeah. Sorry. But okay. So if they're all in the same fuse, that, that's what you're calling a circuit. Okay. Yeah. We don't use exactly. fuses. Do you have fuses in your house, John? Uh, circuit breakers, yeah, but I you, would hope. You have fuses in there, or you have just the circuit breaker? Yeah, circuit breakers. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I think I got 100 amp service. Yeah, but they're all, I, I think I think the biggest one is like 40 amps. I think that's the... Yeah, the so if they're one. on the same circuit breaker, same circuit, yeah. It, yeah. it works better, but it does work... Jumping circuit. It, it does. It okay. will jump circuits through the box nowhere near as well okay. as if it's on the same. But as I mentioned one time... I did try and put two different power line bridges in, and I essentially wound up with a bunch of colliding data, apparently, because neither one worked. Oh, interesting. So as okay. long as I was on one, uh, and we had one power line bridge, it worked great. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'll try that experiment with uh, with my Express. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be work good out. to know. Yeah. I mean, it. W- w- what's an Express cost these days? Seventy nine oh. bucks. Oh, okay, so I thought they're. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Uh, you get a refurb for seventy nine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Sure. They're great for travel. They're oh, they awesome are. for travel, especially when your hotel doesn't have wireless. Right. So, uh, did you uh, did you uh, experience the Google meltdown this weekend, Dave? Uh, you know, I saw people. All sites were dangerous. Yeah. Or, or all sites were. You know, I, I, I know what happened. Someone tried to Google Google. You can't do that, man. <laughs> if you try to Google the term Google, it causes like a. Boy, that's a do loop from hell, isn't it? It melts down. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Somebody did it. Somebody did it. But yeah, apparently the database that they use for their, you know, flagging sites that are potentially 
bad. Oh. Apparently, what happened is someone in that data file, they included the entry slash, which meant everything. everything. Nice. Oops. Nice. <laughs> wow. Of course, That's and you awesome. know, a great source, which is the source of, oh, so many wonderful pieces of data is Twitter. If you hit the Twitterverse, you'd know immediately that something really weird was going on in, in Google. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had fun last night with the... Uh, oh, how about that game, man? It was, you know what was fun? I, I thought Twitter would melt down with all the people, you know, slinging comments about the game and the commercials and stuff, but they, they did pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it held up. I was rooting for the cards, but... Uh. It was a good game. They I, blew it. They could have had oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Uh... Okay, contact info, info. Yeah, yeah, because we don't want people to have to use Google to figure out how to contact us in, in the event that Google. We says could that be we're harmful. Bad. That's right. You know, someday we may go bad. But anyways, contacting us. Yes, you know the best way. I think. Well, well. Uh, anyways, best way two zero six 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 geek, which is four three three five, and you can email us, and you can email us text or audio or video if you care to. Pictures, yeah, do, whatever you want. Video, yes. Oh, we've, we've had video. Yeah. They've been excellent. Uh, that's to feedback at macgeekgab.com. That's macgeekgab.com. Feedback at in front of it. Got that? Don't do it backwards. Otherwise, Our, it'll bounce. <laughs> so you're telling me feedback at macgeekgab.com. That's what I said. Send your email. Okay. That's right. Now, and you know, we still get, I don't know, in theory, Skype should work. And that would be macgeekgab. Yeah. I, I, I still get people. I've, I've had people tweet me and write yeah. me saying, huh, it's not working. Yeah. So please try. Uh, I mean, yeah. Emailing us an audio file, I think, would be uh, not quite as easy as, as Skype. But sorry about that. Yeah. Well, uh, and then iTunes comments. If you've got a little bit of extra time in your day, go write an iTunes comment about the show. We really appreciate it. It always uh, helps. iPhonealley.com is... Oh, there it is. Look at that. See, we jibber-jabbered for a while. Froze. And uh, the band froze. Yeah, it's cold outside. We got to put not. antifreeze in the instruments Maybe. so that they can keep playing. <laughs> uh, iPhonealley.com is Michael Johnston's home when he's not uh, converting this to AAC for you. Cashfly is where the all the bandwidth comes from to get the podcast to you. And the podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Text Expander from Smile on My Mac, and Notebook from Circus Ponies all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. And that's another one. Uh, I think we're back here uh, next week. I'm sure we are. I think so. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I'm a... Uh... I want to watch Heroes, man. Heroes uh, season premiere, I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah, you're not into it, I know, but uh... oh, well, not yeah. Only, only so much bandwidth available. True. Just, just don't steal that bandwidth because you know. Yeah, you don't want to get caught. Made up.